This morning we are beginning a series on Jesus' most well-known sermon. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount reminds us that, that we can't we can't really separate what we claim to believe with the way in which we live. That, that we can't separate who we say that we are from how we live it out. Uh, it reminds us that the kingdom of God is available now. And that we get to be a part of giving the world glimpses into the kingdom of God. Glimpses into the, the sort of life that God intended for all of humankind to have. So how we live, what we do, how we approach our faith, how we relate to one another, how we spend our time, it all matters. In the next few weeks, we'll unpack the Beatitudes a little bit, where Jesus blesses those in need, those who serve and those who are persecuted. And then during Lent, we'll look at what it means to live as salt and light. We'll see that Jesus kind of took these common teachings of the day, and, and, and said, well, well, here's what they say, but here's what I say. And here's how we, we live that out. Here's how we, we bring God's kingdom to our world now and today. This morning, we're going we're gonna to kind of take a step back, and we're going to look at what happens right before the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus' preaching calls for us to take action, and before Jesus preaches, we see that he takes action. Jesus backs it up. He walks the talk. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 12, or where we, we read earlier. And as we get there, will you please join me in prayer? Gracious God, as we launch into the series, we pray that we'd be a people who recognize that your kingdom is available to us today. Give us ears to hear what you have for us this morning. Lord, and I ask that you take my words and use them for your kingdom. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So after Jesus is baptized in the Jordan, he, he heads into the wilderness where he's tempted. And, and while he's there, he spends time leaning into God before his ministry with the masses begins. He spends time with God before he really spends time with, with people. Then, as, as Tamara read earlier, he hears that, that John the Baptist has been arrested, so, so he retreats to Galilee. Now, Galilee is a fascinating place to begin his public ministry. It's, it's not just that it was kind of geographically far from Jerusalem. It was also considered kind of this place that was, was spiritually and, and politically insignificant. It was sort of a, a melting pot of a place right on the edge of where the Jewish world kind of collided with the, the pagan world. And, and religious folks would, would look, uh, re, excuse me, religious folks in Jerusalem would, would kind of look at Galileans through uh, a lens kind of thinking that they had a loose understanding of of the law so some in jerusalem would would point to them in galileans they'd say hey those those galileans they're not they're not even they're not even really fully on board with who we are what what they practice it looks a little different than, than what what we practice and jesus begins his ministry from that place from the kind of margins of society and from that place, he, he proclaims, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. 
And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we've entered a new season in the Rhodey household. A few weeks ago, right after soccer season ended, my daughter Ella said, Hey, Dad, I want to play softball. I want to play softball. She hadn't really played before, but she had a few friends from her soccer team who were were playing, and she wanted to try it out. I, I pushed her a little bit, and I said, You know... You haven't played yet. This is something that's 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 new. Do, do you really, really want to do this? And then she gave the answer that any baseball-loving dad would, would just melt over. She looked at me and she said, "Dad, I I just I just want to I, I want to understand the game a little better. So when I watch with you, I'll know what I'm watching." Oh. And little brother Thomas is not one to be outdone by his by his older sister. So so of course he wants to play as well. He wants to play as well and and, and during our, our breakfast conversation this morning, not this morning, on the same morning I said, "Buddy, are you sure? Are you are you're four? Are you, are you sure you really want to play baseball? You know, you're going you're gonna to have to learn something new. You're going to have to pay attention. You're going to have to try hard. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some, some effort. Are you sure? Are you sure that you really want to play? And he kind of paused. I looked up. I could see the wheels turning in his head. And he says, Dad, I already know how to tackle. We've got some work to do. The reality is for both Ella and for Thomas, playing softball and baseball will be something new. Yesterday, Ella had her, her skills test. I actually signed up to coach Thomas's team. We'll see what happens. Um, they'll have to learn to play the game. Their seven and four-year-old brains and bodies will have to learn all of the different nuances and rules of the sport. And like anyone who's, who's learning something new, some of it will come quickly. Some of it will come quickly. And other parts will take longer to grasp. They'll enjoy parts of the game. And they won't like parts of the game. Some things will, will seem kind of natural and others will, will, will seem completely foreign. Other parts they'll, they'll struggle with. So when Matthew paints a picture of Jesus' ministry with his, his first followers, he doesn't shy away from what they, they go through as they begin to follow Jesus, as they start something new. 
We can almost see the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus setting the tone for the journey that they are going to be taking with him. For the journey, for anybody who's following after Jesus, this is kind of a a tone-setting sermon. It's Jesus saying, look, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a part of bringing God's kingdom into this world, here's how it's going to look. Are you sure this is something you want to do? Are you sure you're on board? Some of what he says and shares makes perfect sense. We, we kind of nod our heads and say, yeah, that, that, that's good, that makes sense. Other parts we read in the Sermon on the Mount and we say, oh, how, how? We'll readily agree with some of the sermon and, and we'll want to argue or run from other parts. But before Jesus climbs up a hill and gathers his first followers and, and preaches this tone-setting sermon, he sets the tone with his actions. He sets the tone with the way that he lives. One of my, my favorite theologians and thinkers, Dallas Willard, referred to this part of the, of, of the scripture right before the Sermon on the Mount as, as the show part of Jesus' show-and-tell teaching. That this is the show as the part of the, the show-and-tell teaching that, that Jesus taught with. So Jesus proclaims God's kingdom as he acts it out, and Jesus also proclaims God's kingdom when he talks about it, the show and the tell. And for Matthew, it's two different approaches of getting across one singular message. First, in what we read, we we see that that God's kingdom calls us to or invites us to. That word call can kind of be sticky sometimes for people. It's what God invites us to do. So kingdom of God invites us to repent. And we see this reinforced over and over again in, in the Sermon on the Mount. There's the section in the sermon where, where Jesus follows a very specific teaching method. Over and over again, he says, you've heard what it's said. And then he talks about a component of the law. You've heard what it said, but I say to you. You've heard what it said, but I say to you. This is a call. These are all calls to repentance. An invitation to turn from whatever it is we are doing or whatever it is we are thinking and turn toward God's kingdom. Now, sometimes when we think of repentance, we, we kind of picture it as, I've talked about this before, we, we picture it as this big kind of scary word. It's, it's church jargon for what we do whenever we're caught up in, in some sort of big sin. And that's, that's definitely true. It's not wrong to think of repentance that way. But repentance is, is a lot more than that as well. It doesn't have to be scary. A simple way of thinking about it might be when you're, you're driving down the road or maybe you're out on the trail on, on a hike and you realize that you're heading in a wrong direction. Maybe someone you're with tells you that you're going your wrong way. Maybe you're, you're tracking something on your phone and your phone says, hey, you're going the wrong way. Or maybe you're just in a place that you haven't been for a while and once you get there, it doesn't look how you remember it and you say, oh, they've changed the streets around. I mean, I mean, the trail looks different. I'm, I'm in a different spot. Whatever it is, whether it's someone or something, it's, it's repentance is what points us out and says, oh, turn around and go back the other way. Turn toward God's kingdom here. At its core, repentance is about reorienting ourselves, our lives, in a specific direction. It's really kind of getting back on track. It's the image we see of the prodigal son who, who goes out and blows his inheritance and then realizes, huh, I've, I've got I've to go back. I've, I've got to go back. 
and he returns to a father with open arms. So Jesus begins his ministry by saying, look, God's kingdom is at hand. God's kingdom is in our our midst. Heaven is breaking into this world and what I say and what I do. So it's time to kind of recalibrate. It's time to, to refocus. It's time to reorient. It's time to repent on what God is doing. The act of repentance is an ongoing act. Now I know there's, there's places in my life where, where I need to repent daily. Places where, where my thoughts are hijacked or my priorities are delayed and, and all we're doing when we say, hey, repent, it's okay, let's, let's turn around. We, we, we can do this now. We can turn around and reorient ourselves toward what God is doing in the world. So, so where are those places for you? Where might you need to realign your life with God's kingdom? After Jesus announced the call to repent, he, he extends the invitation to follow. He goes to Peter, Andrew, James, and John and says, Follow me and I will save your souls. Is that what he says? I'm glad you're paying attention. That's not, that's not what he says. He says, follow me and what? I will make you fish for people. I will put you to work. Follow me and I will put you to work. Before Jesus talks with his first followers about their own salvation, he invites them to participate in the work of bringing God's kingdom to other people. Think about that for a moment. Before he kind of digs into their own junk, he invites them to work, to be a part of something significant. He doesn't say, come and be saved. He says, come and be a part of this exciting work. Now, today. Using language they'd understand, he says, follow me and I'll put you to work shaping the church and engaging the world. It was an invitation to participate in what the kingdom of God was doing in the present, right then, right there. Now, now during Jesus' day, students would seek out notable teachers and leaders as their rabbis. So a student would, would go to a rabbi that, that was well-known and say, I want to study under you. It wasn't all that different from some of the pressure that some high school students put on themselves today to get into good colleges. We want to sit under good teaching. And so they would work and work and work to find the right rabbi. And, and then the rabbi would say, yay. They get that acceptance letter. I can't remember. Is the acceptance packet bigger or smaller? They get, they get one acceptance letter or they get the, the rejection letter. But with Jesus, it's different. Instead of the student seeking out the teacher, he extends the invitation to the student. You see how it's different? So in that day, the rabbi would, would, would sit and wait as people applied, typically. But Jesus doesn't sit and wait. He extends the invitation to Peter, James, John, and Andrew. There's something important here that we can't miss. Jesus moves first, as, as the choir just sang. He comes to us. And his followers respond. We're called to live our lives as a response to what God has done in this world. That invitation to follow, to be a part of the work of what God is doing in the world is ongoing. It's a lifelong commitment to a journey of ups and downs, 
to a, to a journey of growth, a journey of challenges, a, a journey of sacrifice, a journey of, of joy. And it's also an invitation to purpose. The reason the first disciples are so eager to follow Jesus is because they saw value in the work that he invited them to be a part of. They saw value in the work that he said, hey, come come and do this with me. My hope for us as a church is that we'd find that same sort of value and purpose as we participate with what God is doing in our community. So after Jesus announces that the kingdom of heaven was at hand and extends the invitation to be a part of what God was doing in the world, he gets busy teaching in synagogues and healing the masses. Again, word and deed tied together, the show and the tell. In the same way that Jesus took initiative in extending the invitation to come and follow him to the first apostles, he takes the initiative in restoring people's health and storing people to wholeness. Now the truth is, when we're, we're healthy, when we're doing well, we, we kind of approach our day-to-day living in a, in a particular way. But when we're sick, it looks different. When, when something's off, it, it, it looks different. Uh, for the last few weeks, the question in the roadie house at night hasn't been if we're going to be woken up by a sick child. It's been when and who. When and who are going to, this morning, Ella is the only one that's here with us because the other two are at home sick. So, so naturally, the dominant conversation in our house has been about what? What do we need to do to get healthy? What do we need to do to get healthy? So we talk about sleeping. We talk about drinking fluids. We talk about resting. We talk about all those things that are sometimes hard for little kids to, to grasp. But it dominates our conversation about how we're living. We, we, we long to get Healthy. We're on the mend, but we're not, not quite there yet. Our, our habits, our goals that we've kind of hoped to launch into 2020 with have been kind of hijacked or have taken a back seat to the simple goal of not being sick, of getting healthy. Now, according to Matthew, Jesus' second group of followers are, are, are people who are, are consumed by those conversations. They're they're people who are sick, people who are broken, and they're families who are walking with them. Whether they've been ill for a long time or are are dealing with something severe, they can't really think about anything else. Now, when we think we're healthy, when we think we've got it all together, we we, we think one way. But when something's off, either literally or, or figuratively, we think another. We recognize brokenness whether it's our own or, or simply a deep recognition that there's something off or wrong in the world. Our conversation changes as we become more and more aware that what we live in, the world in which we live in, is in need of healing. And Jesus starts his ministry in that place with those who recognize that there is a need for healing. He calls for radical change in synagogues, giving attention to to spiritual well-being, while extending radical mercy in the streets, giving attention to physical needs as well. So if we're going to take part in bringing glimpses of God's kingdom into our communities, we need to be in both those places as well. We need to be having both of those conversations as well. 
paying attention to both the spiritual needs in our world and the physical needs amongst us as well. So right before Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, he extends an invitation to repent, to reorient, reorient our lives toward God's kingdom, to follow him. Remember, he invites us, we respond, and to be healed. As he preaches... He's got the the makings of the the earliest church sitting right in front of him. The first four followers, the the apostles, and the people he healed, and those who who witnessed it all. We're going to spend the next couple of months talking through those messages, or that message. But before he gives a lengthy explanation about what it looks like to be a part of God's kingdom, he shows them. He shows them. May we be a church who shows our community what we're about. And may we be about God's kingdom. Let's pray. Gracious God, may our actions line up with what we claim to believe. Show us where we need to repent, the places where we need to turn to you. Show us how to follow you on a daily basis. And God, help us to be honest with the places where we need healing, where we need wholeness. We pray these things in your name. Amen.